It's Monday morning, everyone. I'm still alive. Um, I have not got the coronavirus yet, and I'm pretty excited about that. I have uh, two really great guests on. Uh, one's a longtime friend. One's a new friend. Uh, and today we are going to talk about Safari Club International. Um, and who I have on is Alan Ernst from uh, the great Pacific Northwest and uh, Ben Cassidy from the uh, unique uh, Washington, D.C. Thanks for coming on, guys. <laughs> you bet. Happy beer. Yeah, thanks a lot, Aaron. Yeah, yeah, no, no problem. Um, just uh, to get things kicked off, how this got going? Not too long ago, I did a, a podcast about nonprofits, and that led down a crazy rabbit hole. Um, after that got going, just because of a few different organizations and kind of their views and their values, uh, it caused me to do more studying in the last few weeks than I've done probably in my entire life about nonprofits, 501c3s and c4s, what the different nonprofits are actually doing for, you know, the hunter and outdoorsman and what they're not doing, you know, where their money comes from, what they do with their money. And as I, you know, went down that rabbit hole, I, I found that I really align with, um, with SCI, uh, along with a, a couple other organizations, but I was, I was really surprised at, you know, what you guys do as I was, you know, at the end of Google, right? Like Googling everything I possibly could researching, you guys do some amazing stuff. Now, as, as far as Alan, I've known you for, for several years, you, you use Kafaru products. Um, we've backpacked together and Alan, you're more of a volunteer where Ben, I just met you and you, you are on staff with SEI. You guys want to kind of want to explain each of your roles and what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Thanks, Aaron. Um, or Alan, if you want to go first, please feel free to. Hey, you're uh, you're higher up the food chain than me, buddy. <laughs> well, I started off as a volunteer uh, at SCI, and now I'm I'm a, I'm a paid employee. But um, yeah, I'm Ben Cassidy, so I'm, I'm the director of our uh, government affairs department over at SCI. So I oversee our advocacy federally in the U.S., state and local, um, international level, and also our our legal team. So I work out of our D.C. office, you know, where we've got our, our, our world headquarters. Um, in the office, you know, we have policy experts, wildlife biologists, in-house legal counsel who are wildlife and hunting um, law professionals, uh, as well as a uh, crack comms team. Um, so we kind of have this hunter's embassy out in Washington, D.C. that's right in, you know, the shadow of the Capitol. So it gives us really good uh, access to, to meeting with different decision makers. We've got a state professional uh, who handles all 50 states, uh, works out of Richmond, tracking legislation and uh, writing testimony and showing up on, on the staircases of state capitals to, to push for, for hunters. You know, I started up last July, um, having spent time in this uh, community and space um, with NRA and with Department of the Interior. Started off, you know, Ten years ago, as a volunteer with SCI and got involved with the chapter in D.C. Um, and worked, you know, as a community partner with SCI while I was uh, at NRA, and then worked as a government partner at Interior, and now as a as an employee. Um, I've always been drawn to SCI and thought thought uh, their partnerships when I wasn't with them, and now you know lead it because it was really the one group that's in D.C. That represents hunters. I think that there's a lot of fantastic, you know, groups out there whose focus are the different, you know, species that, that we love. But at the end of the day, there's one group that always spoke on behalf of hunters. And 
and with, you know, the meetings that, that I would be in with decision makers who were there to speak the hunter's voice, and that was Safari Club International. So right before I came on board, Laird Hamberlin came on as CEO. You know, he's been a volunteer or involved with SCI in some way or fashion, you know, for 40-some years. Extremely successful businessman, didn't need this job, but loves SCI clearly. Uh, so came on board and um, has really given it, you know, a strong focus and direction, uh, really focusing in on, you know, the four pillars, and those being our advocacy, conservation, communications, and convention. So really stood up, you know, the advocacy arm. And so what I've been enjoying doing is really pulling in those different pieces I mentioned, you know, with our federal, state, international, legal, and putting them under one strategic umbrella to really be able to deliver, you know, whether it's in a courthouse or a court of public opinion, you know, U.S. Capitol or state capital, uh, really deliver and um, provide voice for hunters. Gotcha. Alan, you kind of undersold yourself. What, did, uh, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. What do I do? So maybe taking a step back here, when I, I didn't know anything about SCI. There was a, a, a large event that they put on in conjunction with, I think, the Wild Sheep Foundation and the NRA back about 10 or 12 years ago in Bellevue. And a buddy and I, I just called him up and said, hey, let's, let's take our wives and go to this thing. It's, uh, let's see what it's all about. And we walked in, and it's like a mini sportsman show. And it was everything from you know, local deer hunts to antelope hunts, black bear hunts in Canada, fishing trips. Uh, of course, there were some you know, African safaris in there. Everything. It, it was literally a place where you could go much like a, a local sportsman show and uh, be able to bid on pretty much anything you wanted to do on the face of the planet. I thought, oh, that's pretty cool. That's more or less what I expected. But um, once uh, once everybody sat down and the speaker got up there and was talking about, you know, what what SCI was and what they did, I, it was a bit of an eye-opener. I had, had really no idea up until that point what it was that uh, compromised or, or made up SCI. As Ben alluded to earlier, the, the backbone of SCI is our chapter network. We've got about 200 chapters uh, spread across the USA and, of course, around the globe. And each one of those chapters is responsible for um, going out and being advocates for hunting in their state. They also participate in humanitarian efforts and educational efforts and, and so forth. So with, with that being said, one of the interesting things that, that I felt compelled to join SCI for was that unlike a lot of the other organizations that are out there, uh, that all do great work. I, I belong to a, a laundry list of everybody from Elks Foundation to Ducks and Rock Mountain Goat Alliance, et cetera, is that whenever there's a fundraiser at the local level, 70% of those proceeds stay with the chapter. And that chapter's board can do whatever they want with those proceeds. So, you know, I've got the, this particular chapter in question, and as a regional representative for the state of Washington, I've got six chapters in the state. This one chapter alone has pumped in $2.5 million at both the state level and projects that are, you know, outside of the state boundary lines. But, I mean, that, that speaks volumes about what happens at the volunteer level. And then when you take that 30% that goes on up the... Uh, to D.C. And, and Tucson, where other headquarters are, you're talking about, what was it, something like $140 million that have been pumped back into 
everything from the reintroduction of antelope here in the state of Washington to uh, predator studies to uh, litigation efforts that we that we do both here in the states and around the world. It's just a phenomenal organization. And the, the deeper I got into it, the you know the more I ended up raising my hand to do some volunteer things, and I kind of rose up through the ranks in the chapter network. And you know, I'm regional rep, sit on the board. Um, actually, was responsible for helping hire Laird, which uh, uh, he came in at the right time and has helped restructure some of FCI's internal workings. Hired a great comms guy, hired Ben, and uh, hopefully we're going to be able to get the word out a little bit more about who SCI is and what we do. Gotcha. And I, I can say um, both on the, the good side and the bad, um, before I, I mean, Kafaru donates money to everyone and, and uh, as well as giveaways or whatever's going on. But as far as me personally, one of the things that I want to make sure and do and, and have been trying to do is is let everyone know that asks me about nonprofits and, and, you know, 501c3s and 4s. It is not just a rich man's organization that you guys have actually, um, hopefully no higher ups get mad at me for saying this, kind of screwed up in, in promoting this to the younger generation, which I'm hoping I can take a big part in changing. You guys defend everyone and everything, all encompassing. I think that getting that word out is going to be very important and it's certainly going to be important to me because when I look at everything that I believe in and everything that I, you know, hold kind of precious when I talk about hunting in the outdoors, you guys follow along with that and you didn't spend your time, not saying anything wrong with this, but you didn't spend all your time and money on promoting SCI, <laughs> you, you spent it on actually doing stuff. Not, not to say other organizations don't do that. It's just you guys didn't focus on, I mean, you promote SCI, but you didn't go on this this crazy campaign to promote it. You were busy and out there um, getting stuff done. And, and, and again, I think it's important when people are listening right now to take a look at it because you guys will find out by the end of this, everything you guys have your hands involved in is pretty amazing. I mean, you have full-time lawyers or lobbyists, you are not just participating a level at DC, you're actually buying land and transplanting animals, reintroduction, things like that, as Alan mentioned. It was actually, there's so much stuff you guys are involved in, I got confused on the amount you are involved in, uh, which there's something to be said for that. Yeah, well, you're not uh, you're not alone in that regard. <laughs> I uh, After having gone back to, let me, let me back up a second. So every year, there is a, a large board meeting. It's, it's, we call it the May board meeting, and it's in D.C., and it kicks off with what is called the Lobby Day. And so everybody from around the, the nation comes in. It's usually chapter presidents, vice presidents, or some other proxy. And we were charged with going to not only our state legislators, but you know maybe some others where we need to fill in a gap. But we're, we're charged with going and, and talking with those legislators and their aides about issues that are important to us. A lot of that conversation just kind of tends to stay within the organization. And if you look at our marketing budget, it, it really was not that big, uh, at least anywhere near what I believe it needed to be. You know, I'm not bashful about grabbing the side of the canoe and shaking a little bit. So we're, uh, we're putting a lot more money. And I mean, this is the first time we have ever had a dedicated marketing and communications person that we hired. So we, we fully realize now that 
We have got to get the word out better. Uh, we're doing a ton of great things, but it doesn't really matter if we just do those in a vacuum and no one knows about it. So. Yeah, just to add on, yeah, just to expand on, you know, what Alan's saying, it's just, you know, SCI, I think, has always been doing the good work. Um, I had, you know, the benefit of having been on the front line here in D.C. where, where, where I was in a lot of dogfights when I was at NRA and, uh, you know, shoulder to shoulder with folks at SCI. So I got to see it firsthand. Um, but that's one thing to see it firsthand. Uh, but also translated out to all members across the country on how much is being done. I would say, yeah, n- not enough hunters do know. But we are, you know, at the staff level, like Ellen said, you know, really focused on being able to communicate out, you know, maybe brag a little bit. It's not enough to, to wink in the dark. You know, no one sees it. So we, we do have to go beyond and, and, and brag about some of the things we're doing. And I, I think a lot of things, you know, in changing the way we communicate, you know, just having regular columns placed in our magazines and steady stream of, you know, really good informative blog posts that you can reach on our website now, you know, really strategic placement of, you know, op-eds that are showing just different voices, you know, speaking on behalf of sustainable use and just really ratcheting up our social media presence. Over the last year, you know, like Alan said, we brought on Chip Honeycutt, who's doing a crack job with uh, comms and marketing. Just brought on a DC comms manager. Um, he's a wildlife biologist who's been in this space for a while, who's able to really translate, you know, a lot of the issues and why they matter and why it's important for, for hunters to be involved on a legislative side. Um, also looking at, you know, ha- having a voice out West and hiring a Western States regional manager. And I've been sitting on, you know, Skype interviews with, with Europe over the last week, uh, interviewing someone to have, to have a lobbyist and a communicator in Brussels to, to work the European side of things. So really seeing it as a focus to really start, you know, I guess, shooting our, our horn or banging our drum to let people know all the good work that, that's going on. Definitely. I should have done a little bit better of introducing. Alan hunts a lot of public land, and I the only reason why I bring that up is just because of all the other different organizations going on right now. For example, one of the ugliest hunts I think you could possibly do is the Washington High Country Buck Hunt, which Alan participates in every year for some reason, even though you have shitty deer out there. So Alan, you are very familiar with, with public land. It's not like you're going on these crazy safaris all the time. Obviously, Ben, I don't know you as well, but you guys, how much are you guys focusing on public land when you talk about tooting your own horn and, you know, like bringing antelope back into uh, Eastern Washington, things like that. I mean, how much do you guys have your hands involved in all that? Obviously, that's a very broad question. a great question. deal out of, D, <laughs> out, of, out of D.C. I mean, it's, we draw in our advocacy from what hunters want. And, yes, particularly when you go out west, I mean, public lands are the focus. And I, that's not lost on me. You know, I spent a couple of years working at Interior, manages the most public land on the planet. So from, from our seat, you know, SCI is very involved at Interior, Secretary's Roundtables, with the uh, Hunting and Shooting Sports Conservation Council having representation there, been very focused on helping with implementing the Dingle Act, which is the, the great public lands bill that was passed last year, but making sure that it's implemented right, down to, you know, making sure that the National Park Service is looking at, you know, skilled volunteers rather than paying taxpayer dollars for, for, for professional hunters, but having, you know, skilled volunteers helping with, with, with wildlife management. You know, we've been very vocal on uh, LWCF and, and, and supportive of, of the Great American Outdoors Act and, and seeing that pass. It hit a bit of a hiccup with, you know, the virus coming up, but was really fast-tracking to 
to be a landmark bill. Um, so we're going to keep pushing on that. Just recently, you know, saw the Bureau of Land Management put out a, a comment, a public comment period asking for hunters to tell them where there were priority parcels, where BLM should prioritize. So we got the fast work, you know, for example, with our, uh, our Utah members and reached out and asked them, you know, through a survey. Well, f- first we reached out to, to Utah DNR and, you know, saw some different areas that DNR saw on their wish list. Then we organized it into a survey and asked our SEI members in Utah, which of these parcels would you prioritize? And we got back fantastic feedback and ended up being able to channel it back in an official way to, to BLM to review. Now we're in like conversations about very specific pieces of those parcels on what can be open to help benefit the most people. So absolutely focused in on on the public lands fight and, and, and being present. Gotcha. As you know, we dive down these rabbit holes. What do you guys, how do you guys feel as far as, I mean, I guess personally, maybe not necessarily speaking for SCI, when some things pop up, when you're talking about different organizations, um, you know, the word greater good will come out from time to time dealing with maybe anti-hunting organizations or businesses that are anti-hunting you know, for the for the greater good. How do you guys, you know, feel about that? Do you work with any like um, anti-hunting organizations or, or organizations that are are part or in whole dealing with like the grizzly bear band? I, from what I found, you guys have no part with any of that and are pretty steadfast in your views. I don't know if you guys want to answer that or not, or if you can, but uh, wh- how, what are you guys' feelings about that? Is Is it good to let some of these people in the front door to think that I think it'd be, in my opinion, maybe a little naive that there's not going to be some major repercussions letting, you know, some anti or non-hunting and anti-hunting, I guess you could say, organizations partner up with certain hunting organizations. Or uh, you talk about like Patagonia, uh, Yvonne Chouinard is, is very against predator hunting in general. Uh, do you think it's a bad idea to partner up with like a Patagonia? Just your general feelings about that stuff. I think it is always critically important to just surround yourself at a personal level with people that share your worldviews, your uh, your moral compasses are aligned. And I'm just here as the, the regional rep. This is not an SCI policy that by any stretch of the imagination, but I think we're fortunate in the sense that due to the way that we're structured, you know, we have a 501c3, we've got a 501c4, and we have the SIPAC. We have folks like Ben and other litigators already on staff. So we don't necessarily have to go out and partner with a particular law firm that may not share our particular interests. Uh, we're just steadfastly being first for all hunters. And if you're not part of that, then I'm sure there's probably a partnership out there that, uh, that we're involved in. Uh, politics makes for some strange bedfellows at times. I, I've seen that here in the state of Washington. Sometimes take uh, tribal issues, for example. A lot of a lot of hunters and anglers have issues with tribes, but I'm here to tell you, uh, at least in the state of Washington, the tribes have unquestionably the best biologists in the state, particularly when it comes to predator management. And so it would be a mistake for us as an organization to not want to partnership or, you know, get involved in partnership opportunities like uh, the reintroduction of uh, antelope or uh, predator studies that we're helping fund with them. Um, that that would be a mistake to to let some kind of 
generalized friction get in the way of getting important stuff done for the benefit of our wild things and wild places so that hunters can benefit from that good work. I don't know if that made a whole lot of sense, but you have to know who you're working with at the end of the day, and those interests have to be in perfect alignment. I agree with that wholeheartedly, and I have a little... I get a little twitchy, like, uh, or get, uh, like if you're like organization wise, if I start hearing the greater good, that means there's some bad in there and, uh, how much bad for the greater good and who's greater good and what greater good, you know, is that? And there's a lot of argument over public land and second amendment. Um, you know, I try to take a big step back and be like, well, what happens if we have all this public land and I don't get to pack a weapon onto it because they've taken our Second Amendment rights? So there's got to be some common sense involved in there. It, those are all the things that I, I worry about because it's not too hard to, you know, s- sneak in a few Trojan horses and then you're pretty much screwed after that. It's hard to get them back out of the house. And so, and I mean, Ben, did you want to comment on that at all or are you hiding in the corner? What do you think? No, no, yeah, I'm right here. Um I mean, I'd say that, you know, SCI, we, we have enough friends to lean on to have to rely on, you know, leaning on unfriendlies. Um, you know, like I said, what, what we bring to the table are the hunters. I mean, so if there's, you know, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation that, that needs some, some hunters' help in an access project, we'll be there for them. Ducks Unlimited needs help in a, in, a, in a wetland habitat project, we'll be there for them. So there's plenty of places that, that uh, are in groups that we can work with that are our friends. We're members of the American Wildlife Conservation Partnership. It's a loosely affiliated long list of all different hunting NGOs where we come together to be supportive of uh, policy areas. We, we have certainly, you know, areas of disagreement. We have different missions uh, at times, but the end goal is to protect our wild places and wild things. So like a, like, like a big happy family, we, we tend to find um, areas that we can all work together. Talking about, you know, places where SCI works with groups that are unfriendly, I would say one area that I could point to would be in the, in the courts where we're, uh, the sole interveners or defenders of hunters when, um, you have anti-hunting organizations like Humane Society or PETA suing, um, and undermining scientific value of sustainable use. We'll always be there to, uh, tango and dance with them and win a good amount of the time. So that's basically our capacity for, for working with anti-hunters is, is in that setting. We're really in a good, fortunate position to have, you know, such great friends, such great sponsors, members that we're not, we don't need to rely on folks that don't agree with the fun, our fundamental philosophy. Gotcha. What uh, things like the grizzly bear uh, ban in, in uh, British Columbia or the reintroduction of wolves, you know, where do you guys stand with that and, and how much did SCI, how much were you guys involved in that um, when all that was going through and as the wolf introduction in Colorado is is uh, probably going to happen? Can you guys touch on that a bit? Yeah, um, just focusing in on, you know, yeah, Colorado and, and wolf introduction. Um, we saw, you know, the ballot initiative go through. It's going to be on the ballot to reintroduce uh, wolves into the state of Colorado that completely undermines state management, um, which we hold dearly. States, states have, have, the, have the right and the primacy of managing their wildlife species, and this would violate it. It would also force, you know, Colorado Parks and Wildlife to divert funds that they need to actually, you know, promote and protect wildlife, to hang for calves that are going to be eaten and, and you know, ranchers are going to be terrorized. So 
we're we're in that fight. You know, we're joined up with Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and the Farm Bureau and other allies in uh, pushing back on the ballot initiative. We actually, you know, brought it up during our board meeting um, in Reno when we had all of our board members in town and, you know, asked uh, membership if they were interested in being helpful and ended up raising a really nice purse of cash from around the country because our members don't see it as just being a Colorado issue. I mean, that sort of ballot box biology is a threat to, to good science and wildlife management across the country. And we saw it with big swath of our of our chapters, you know, everywhere from, from New England and Florida and California getting involved, not just Colorado. That happened at a board meeting, right? Yeah. So what happened is there was one of the chapters from Colorado stood up and talked about this issue and uh, that it was coming down the pipe. It's a big deal. Actually, a forced reintroduction of these large apex predators would severely undercut Colorado's elk populations, not to mention deer and other ungulates. But the, the call for help went out, and just voluntarily, other chapters from across the globe stood up, and you know, with their uh, pending board approval, were giving thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars from their own coffers. You know, as a as a volunteer, I can tell you how hard it is to go out and get those donations from folks and run a successful banquet that's profitable so that you can give back to both your local state and federal entities. So when those other chapters that, let's say, Louisiana or Florida, they don't have any wolves, they're never going to have any wolves, to have them stand up and say, yes, this is absolutely worth fighting, we're totally in this with you, and uh, to write those big checks, it, I mean, it was a very sizable chunk of money at the end of the day. And that just it makes a guy so proud when so many different Types of hunters come together in the, in the same roof to support a particular cause. And going back to that uh, that grizzly bear thing, so I went on that don't sheep hunt with a, a buddy up in the northwest, excuse me, northern BC, and it was going down at exactly the right time, or excuse me, exactly the same time as that grizzly bear ban went into effect. And I was thinking, oh, okay, that's terrible, and, and uh, both our chapters, and I believe the national organization, or adamantly opposed to it, right? But uh, on a personal basis, we're sitting, I remember sitting in one spot <laughs> I and know where seeing this is going. <laughs> five different giant fucking grizzly bears, right? <laughs> yeah. 150 yards up to our right is the sow with two babies. And uh, yeah, believe you me, the, uh, the radar detector was uh, keeping, keeping an eye on her. But I just thought to myself, how in the, who in their right mind thinks that there is uh, a deficiency in the population of these animals. It's, they, they clearly haven't been out, uh, you know, 30 miles from the nearest trailhead like we were blasting these things off. They just, they, they don't have a freaking clue, and this whole ballot, ballot box biology has got to stop. We have got to let our biologists manage things from a sustainable science-based perspective. We, we just can't have, you know, these, these folks that don't know a damn thing about hunting or fishing or, or biology getting involved in this process. It's way too important for that. Hell, I drew a sheep tag last year, and I think I spent 12, 14 days uh, trying to get one that I wanted. And uh, I did it all in public land. Do it yourself. And I'm kind of proud of the fact that I got that thing done. But halfway through the, uh, the hunt there, uh, staying in a uh, campground, the, uh, these folks came in. They had California license plates. And I'm 
like to think I'm a pretty affable guy and struck up a conversation with them because she could see I was wearing camo and she kind of had that, you know, looking down the nose, sneer look on her face. And so I opened up a conversation with her and, and I said, hey, how you doing? She, she said, oh, we're here bird watching. We're on the Nature Conservancy block over there. And you should really go look it out. There's, uh, there's some great mountain goats over there. And <laughs> keep in mind, this is in the Yakima River Canyon. <laughs> the nearest goat is 100 miles away. And they happen to be white, right? <laughs> she thought she was talking about bighorn sheep and that no one should be able to hunt those things. And uh, so it took me a while to talk her off the ledge, but it's, pe- it's people like her that don't have a friggin' clue that should not really, I mean, as, as, a, as a taxpayer, I suppose you have a, a voice and a vote, but come on, let's leave, let's leave the management of the wild places and wild things up to professionals. As I've gotten in several or a few uh, internet battles since these uh, podcasts have kicked off, one of the, you know, things I've, I've found is kind of the the outlook of um, some of the different members of multiple organizations, and that when you when you when you're talking about your line in the sand that you draw, whether it be let's say technology for for archery or uh, muzzleloaders, or you know everybody's going to have this line in the sand, and and when it comes to you know, for me, uh, this line in the sand for conservation and protecting what I hold dear in, in public lands, what worries me is we're letting those type of people in the door if we start partnering with different organizations or affiliates that are hikers more than hunters, because now maybe the hikers have a voice, but they don't have the maybe in-depth data that is needed. In the case of, let's say, the Colorado wolf reintroduction. There's been a gag order put on all biologists and uh, game wardens. They can't talk about it. Okay. That's a, that's a big red flag. Like, <laughs> why can't you let the people oh, that know what's going on yeah. talk about it? I can't get them on the podcast. They can't, they can't, they can't even talk to me about it on a personal level. So if I am letting people in the door for the greater good to build up numbers and possibly shift some of those people over at what cost is that what what's the cost i mean you don't know and that is where i get extremely worried and why i'm a big fan of what you guys do is alan you bring up a great point and i live in colorado which if we were going to have a contest of the most issues at the trailhead i don't know who you would win with colorado or washington but it's a it's a good race and some of the <laughs> things when you strike up those conversations to for the greater good of hunting and, and putting your best foot forward of well ma'am I'm, I'm backpacking in and are you a vegan do you do you eat meat yeah no animals harmed with the meat i eat and i'm like well it didn't die of old age so trying to explain the circle of life like hey and my meat was alive. You just killed yours with a checkbook. Uh, I killed mine with my, my bow and, and I, I hiked back in here and try to explain that. But then I start thinking as I'm hiking up the trail after passing them as Jesus Christ on his throne, that woman's going to get to vote or that man. And they're going to vote off of a feeling and not off of data or science or personal experience. And you guys are very, very good at getting people in there to defend and explain and protect, you know, what's going on. And Ben, you haven't gotten to talk for a while because Alan and I won't shut up. What are you thinking about some of these things? Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, going back to drawing that line in the sand, and the SCI's line in the sand is defending science-based regulated hunting across the board. You know, like we've said, you know, 
we're first with hunters, so we're involved in fights in defending every species and its management. So that's going from, you know, your, your doves flying through Texas um, to your charismatic megafauna over in Africa. We're going to be involved in the fight and defending, you know, that North American model and its application. It can be difficult at times, probably easier to defend some forms of hunting than it is others. But when it's science-based and regulated, we we know we have, have the standing on it. Good thing is with SCI and the way we're set up is that we have tools that are able to support, you know, decision makers and our members in helping to uh, be educated and activated on um, these issues that can be pretty nuanced at times. You know, we have our, our scientists that are able to write up well-thought, science-based, backed-up, um, reasonable one-pagers uh, for staff on the Hill. Um, we have our, our, our grassroots platform, the Hunter Advocacy Action Center. It's really a tool that we have to communicate directly with our members in educating them on, on the issues at hand and then also directing them to how to be in touch with their elected officials to educate them as well and show, you know, you know what hunters think. So I guess that that would be really, you know, our line in the sand is, is that broad-based defense of the North American model. Gotcha. So if you were going to, uh, let's say, highlight, um, and this is for both of you guys, but if you were going to highlight, let's say, some of the the things that SCI has been involved in that you two are, are maybe the most proud of over the last few years, where you guys made a, a, a huge difference in a stand Kind of list uh, maybe your top one, two, or three, um, each of you, and either whatever, whoever wants to start. Yeah, I'll just say, you know, um, since I started last July, one of the, the biggest wins for Safari Club, and specifically for its members, was, was us intervening um, in the Fish and Wildlife Service's decision under Obama to uh, share personal identity, identifying information um, and contact information for hunters. Uh, who had imported trophies and used the, the Fish and Wildlife Service customs forms. We got word through the Federal Register that this was going to be done, and we quickly alerted our membership and walked them through the information that we needed from members in order to make sure that their privacy was maintained and they didn't have to share their, their information. We ended up being successful in defending all those members that we walked through the process and their identities um, were kept private. Um, that wasn't the case for some other hunters that weren't SDI members and we weren't able to, to work with. So I think that that was huge because those are, those are fights that we see pop up across the country, um, you know, at the state level, like New Mexico sharing information, um, you know, different states sharing information. But um, in this case, we were able to push back on this Humane Society uh, information request. Another big one that happened earlier this year in the courts was SCI was the only organization to intervene in defending uh, the 2016 delisting of the Louisiana black bear. Our intervention was critical, ended up being our arguments that led to the dismissal of the case. So for now, there's that potential that, that it's back open for black bear hunting. It puts us in a good position. So that, that was just huge for, for helping give opportunities to, to sportsmen and women. We've really hit our stride with that Hunter Advocacy Action Center I was mentioning. We, we started using it um, when I came on uh, last July. Uh, you know, we went from having just a couple of folks, basically staff that were uh, signed on to use the tool, to now having over, you know, 30,000 folks that, that are really engaged on it. And we've been really using it to, to bring that voice of our members straight to the decision makers 
it was really successful. Our first test case at the gate was with uh, Pennsylvania Sunday hunting. Uh, might be a little foreign concept for folks out west, but there's all these antiquated old laws, you know, in the east that uh, prevent hunting from happening on Sundays in a number of states. And one of the last states that still has that and had that in place was Pennsylvania. We really uh, geared in, you know, with our, our lobbyists and interfacing and working with our partners like NRA and Congressional Sportsman's Foundation to really engage Pennsylvania. But we really charged up our, our Pennsylvania members to directly talk to their uh, elected officials using this tool I was talking about and uh, lit up, you know, their inboxes and their phones and social media ended up against a lot of opposition from the other side opening up Sunday hunting. So that'll be starting, um, well, I guess, as soon as some of this COVID-19 is lifted. Also, you know, really been proud of working at Interior, really got to know well, you know, Aurelia Skipwith, who's now Fish and Wildlife Service Director, and Kate McGregor, who's now, you know, Deputy Secretary of Interior. Know them well and know that they're pro-hunting. So it was really great to be able to engage our our membership in helping push senators to bring them up for a vote and confirm them into these positions. I was thinking, you know, personnel is policy. So having the right personnel will help you get the right policy decisions. So really being able to, you know, bring the voice of SCI to those decision makers was something that, that I've been really proud of. Gotcha. Alan, what about you? Well, I guess my response would be bifurcated between uh, kind of the political advocacy aspect as well as the conservation. So on the political side, I was uh, involved in an advocacy group within the Department of Fish and Wildlife. And it's part of the Washington way. You have a bunch of different people from various interest groups uh, participate in these advisory groups that the Department of Fish and Wildlife uses to direct their future goals. And it became very, very clear to me that that the core priority stakeholders in the hunting and fishing community were not only being neglected, but their involvement in the decision-making processes going forward was being rapidly diminished. And a lot of it came down to the, the leadership. With the six chapters in the state and approximately 80,000 other hunters uh, across the state, we were able to basically influence the commission to get rid of the director at that time. He, quote, unquote, stepped down. But we were able to uh, help the commission go out and find someone that understood on a scientific basis what, what, and a business basis what actually needed to be done within the Department of Fish and Wildlife to help not only our core priority stakeholders, but also the rest of the interest groups that are out there that are interested in birds and butterflies. But if you, you have to, in my estimation, cater to the uh, core priority stakeholders because that's where the bulk of your funds come from, right? And if they go away, then so goes the department. So we were able to uh, kind of re-massage the, the, uh, the management of, of that uh, particular department, help them this legislative session get the $26 million that they needed to get back up to speed now that they've got good leadership in place. So that, that was kind of this direct on the ground political action that uh, myself and others were able to help facilitate in, uh, in our state capital. And on, on a, I guess, more personal level, on the conservation side, was the reintroduction of antelope in the state of Washington. So antelope were uh, species that had been here historically, and in our estimation, there was no good reason not to reintroduce them. Now, the, the state and some other 
stakeholders had had tried to do that on a couple of times in the past, but they just were not doing it correctly. So we were able to, as I mentioned earlier, go out and partner with the tribes and, gosh, spend a lots, lots and lots of money uh, with them to go to Nevada and capture a bunch of those. I participated in that. If, if you haven't done stuff like this, people, you need to get involved. It is loads of fun and very, very eye-opening about how how much your your boots on the ground biologists in the state care about what it is that they're doing. I mean, we had a, a situation in Nevada where the uh, a lot of their winter range and had been burned up. There just wasn't going to be food for these animals. So the choice was, well, they could either let them die of starvation or issue a bunch of tags to Nevada folks, which may or may not be filled, or and or go capture a bunch of these and translocate them to a place uh, like Washington that has actually some great habitat for them and, uh, and get those antelope a fighting chance and uh, get some of those speed goats back on, on uh, the ground in Washington. So to to go capture those, bring them back here. We've done what, four, four or five captures, and I think we're getting close to 450, 500 speed goats here in the state. They're popping up all over the place. You've got uh, hunters, non-hunters, people taking pictures of them, and uh, pretty excited that, that they're once again out of the landscape and uh, seem to be on stable footing. So we were directly responsible in conjunction with the tribes for doing that. So that's it's cool. Yeah, no, that is that is cool. And I, you know, lo- looking at the, all the different uh, organizations, and you guys had talked about this earlier, where you have um, Ducks Unlimited. You know, obviously, ducks is their main concern, and uh, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. That's elk. Rocky Mountain Goat Alliance. Goats. Um, that's why I was pretty oh ecstatic about promoting what you guys are doing because it's all-encompassing and you help out a lot of those other organizations when you can or or if it if it makes sense i guess is is what i was finding out um so yeah i i um you know i don't want to drag this on forever one alan i know what you do for a living and you're at a crisis level situation right now and and ben i'm sure you have lots of things to do but what i would encourage you know people to do is uh, check out SCI, uh, definitely, you know, join, as I say that I'm a bit of a hypocrite. I'm only a three year member, not a life member, but, uh, I will be a life member soon is join and look at what they're doing, what they can do. The fact that like that program you guys started where you're really interacting with, with people on the ground and their concerns. I just, I like what you guys are doing. I, I like the fact that, uh, where your your moral compass stands and, and who you stand beside, it's it's pretty amazing. So, do you guys have anything you want to add at all to this? Yeah, I would just add in. You know, if, if you're listening and you're interested in you know seeing the different fights that we're involved in, in in real time and ways that you can engage, especially from home right now, if you're all stuck at home the way a lot of us are, I would say you know it's free to check out our Hunter Advocacy Action Center. Uh, you can do it right now by texting SCI to seven three zero seven five. So SCI to seven three zero seven five, and I'll just show you a full entree of all the different live campaigns we have going on now to uh, fight for hunters. Gotcha, Alan. You got anything to add? Yeah, one last thing. We have a uh, an entity called the American Wilderness Leadership School, and I just want to bring this up because we haven't touched on the education aspect of it. For me personally, I believe that the only way that we're going to steer this boat back in the right direction is have our youth understand that hunting is not a bad thing. It's actually a very good thing. 
uh, we have a, this this entity that's actually a ranch that, that we own or the foundation of the, the uh, American Wilderness Leadership School. And what it, it basically is is we take educators from all across the nation, and they convene on here for a week, and they learn all about the North American model of wildlife management. They go there's a, a river that flows right through the, the the property. They learn about ecology. They learn about shooting bows, pistols, rifles, shotguns, you name it. What's fast, what's awesome about this, you're going to love this as an archer. You know what the National Archery in the Schools program is, right? Oh, yeah. When, it, when an educator goes through this, this program, and they can do it for free, right? Chapters sponsor teachers all the time to, to go to this. And we put hundreds through there every summer. They're, they're certi- they come away certified as a NASP instructor, so they can take that curriculum back to their school. So the kids that, you know, might not be jocks, uh, have a financial wherewithal to be in a particular, like, soccer selects or, you know, baseball or whatever, they can, they can have a sport in their school that's super safe that everybody can participate in. I just encourage people to go to safariclub.org. There is a ton of information on there. We're actually in the process of redoing this website. And just check us out. Love to help you. Gotcha. Well, there you go. Um, can you guys uh, list off where people can take a look at the website, where to join, social media, things like that, and then we'll hop off here? Sure. As I just mentioned, it was uh, safariclub.org. All one word. Once you delve into there, there's tons of little rabbit holes you could go off, whether it's uh, hunter advocacy or connecting with uh, different chapters, education stuff, maybe how you can represent uh, yourself within within your state and local community. There's just a lot of beneficial stuff in there. So, Ben, what do you, what do you have? Yeah, we just also, you know, again, take a ch- check out our, our Hunter Advocacy Action Center through, you know, texting 73075SCI to it. Then also checking out our different social media accounts. Um, I think they've really ramped up since, you know, we, we brought on some additional staff to help monitor and, and, and promote and, and generate a lot of good content. So whether it's Twitter, or, um, Instagram, or, or Facebook, we're, we're live there. Um, official SCI is, is the handle. So, yeah, I would check us out that way. Website. Yeah, those are the best ways to be in touch. And then also, you know, uh, to, to, on the website, look into uh, different chapters that that are near you we've got a really friendly social group of folks i think they're they're going crazy right now not being able to meet up but um i know that we've got great members across the country right in your backyard that would be help i'm happy to tell you about what their specific chapter is up to and ways for you to get involved cool well fellas i really appreciate you uh you hopping on here i'd like to get you guys on again where maybe the world isn't quite such uh turmoil and talk about some hunting stories and something uh something different but uh, i appreciate you coming on everybody go check out uh sci so alan uh ben thank you very much hey thanks for having us thanks so much aaron appreciate it